Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here once again alongside the host of the Bucks Radio Network, Courtside Live, and of course, this podcast, Locked on Bucks. It's Justin Garcia back for the second day in a row. Uh, is this a good thing or a bad thing? How are you feeling about this right now? How upset are you that you have to go through this again with me? <laughs> are you asking, is it good for me or is it good for... Those that are listening, like, oh, great, here we go again. Um, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I told you, what an honor to get the call two days in a row. Wow, all right, let's do this. Yeah, Especially just, you know, such an eventful couple of days that we've had here with the rare back-to-back off days. It's incredible. I actually woke up this morning and I just assumed that there was a game and I had to remind myself that, no, it wasn't the case, particularly – on the run home here, or really this whole season, it feels like two days off in a row have been somewhat of a rarity. For those that are starting to get very concerned about Frank, don't worry, he will be back uh, towards the back end of the week. He's not going anywhere. I'm not going to let him off the hook that easily. Uh, before we dive into today's topics, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. And I didn't actually think about the player of the week too much this week, but I might throw it to you, Justin. I don't want to put you under too much pressure here, but when we get to it, I might just throw you under the bus and ask you if you want to to label the player of the week. But I kind of hinted to this yesterday, the fact that we'll talk about Bud a little bit. I mean, we talk about the players so often, and I think there's no doubt that during this season that Bud has been a talking point throughout for obvious reasons. And certainly... Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, with a player like Pat Connaughton, it doesn't feel like there was too much he was going to be able to do to get back in the, uh, not all fans, again, to be clear, but in a, a decent portion of the fan base is good books. And I think that Bud is certainly the case there. It's If you don't win a title or you don't get this team to the NBA Finals, um, you're going to cop a significant amount of the blame from a, a large portion of the fan base. I don't particularly think that that's totally fair, but we are going to go through uh, all of it what we've seen this season, where they were at before the season started, and, of course, what, what we're looking at here in the future. Before we do, the Bucks game for today, as a lot of people will be listening to this, has been rescheduled. If you missed this news, don't be shocked to find out that the Bucks are playing at 3.30 p.m. Central Time in Minneapolis. So this will be a back-to-back for the Nets. They played a, a similar afternoon game against Brooklyn, uh, here this morning as we're recording this, they got blown out by the Nets. But um, we didn't know whether this game was going to go ahead, but they made the decision to bring it forward to the afternoon. There'll be no fans in attendance there. So uh, just noteworthy, if you didn't catch that news, that, uh, yeah, don't be surprised when the Bucks are playing in the afternoon. But Joe Johnson, oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like each year since the Bucks have been really good, there has to be at least one random veteran player that, at least gets rumored that he's going to have a workout with the Bucks 
Uh, Michael Scotto does some stuff over with Hoops Hype. He's been a reporter in Brooklyn for a while and covered the Nets for a long time as well. And he uh, tweeted out that Joe Johnson is going to have a workout with the Bucks later in the season. Uh, please, Justin, give me your give me your thoughts on Joe Johnson even getting a workout with the Bucks. Um, the full timeline of events was this morning. Uh, looking on Twitter and seeing Joe Johnson trending and thinking, well, that's interesting. Why is Joe Johnson? What did I miss? And then uh, searching for Joe Johnson and, and piecing together through some of the tweets I was seeing. All right. So Joe Johnson apparently is attempting to come back and then continuing to scroll and, and seeing that uh, tweet and the report that you just alluded to that, uh, you know, Joe Johnson may or may not have a workout with the Bucks. Um, my initial thought was, wait a minute. Is there a second Joe Johnson, or am I thinking <laughs> of the same guy here? And then uh, looking it up, and nope, sure enough, it is the same guy. And then trying to do in my head, how old is Joe Johnson? And then <laughs> landing somewhere around, he's got to be late 30s by now. And then seeing, oh boy, he is nearly 40. I, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. It's one thing to say, like, hey, we got to do our due, due diligence and kick the tires on anything that's available, sure. But, I mean, I think, and we talked about the previous one as well, that you talk about the Bucks always being linked to some of these rumors. It's kind of the same with the Brandon Knight thing that surfaced, I think, <laughs> where it's just like, okay, yeah, that's interesting, but uh, is there any chance it's going to happen? I would say no. Brandon Knight's interesting. We didn't even bring him up on the pod. That's how little uh, time I spent thinking about the possibility of Brandon Knight ending up here. But as far as Joe Johnson goes, for those that are wondering... The last time he played was in the 2018 playoffs. So we're talking nearly three years. And uh, during that season, he played for a couple of teams. Uh, I believe it was Utah and Houston as well. But he played 55 games, averaged 6.8 points per game on 27% from three. So he really struggled. I think he played against some old men in that uh, big three tournament there for a while. And I think recently, mm-hmm. he actually played in some sort of Team USA yeah. exhibition something. I don't know. They the, were playing some the same, I be- Yeah, it's the same thing that I believe that Isaiah Thomas was playing in recently here. Um, and didn't he attempt to come back as well with the Pistons a year or two ago and never made it through training camp or the first week of the season? Yeah, he was on the training camp roster there as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's tried to, to make a comeback a couple of times. We have actually seen Isaiah Thomas uh, get some minutes for the Pelicans there. But again, um, you know, it's probably a long shot that he's going to become a genuine rotation player again. And certainly, I would be shocked if Joe Johnson even made it back to the NBA. If he was going to go anywhere, he'd just tack on the end of the Nets bench, wouldn't he? Isn't that what we all expected that that would be the case? A Brooklyn Nets legend, they gave him that huge 120-plus mil contract or whatever it was and going back earlier this decade. But no, uh, not spending too much time thinking about that one. But uh, as you mentioned, a guy that's nearly 40 years old now, I think if you're the Bucks, um, I would probably, again, at this point, I'm not expecting that they can add anyone to the roster that will make a genuine difference. But there's been a few names that have at least been thrown out there where you're like, okay, I mean, at least this guy isn't an absolute fossil that's going to come into the team and, and not be able to play anyway, which I think would be the case with Joe Johnson there. So it would be kind of a, uh, a useless signing if they went down that point. No offense to Joe, who, um, again, I think we spoke about this in the pod a few weeks ago, but he was a guy that I used to uh, find some enjoyment playing with on 2K. But as far as this game against Minnesota goes, and as far as injury reports and injury updates go for Giannis, which, as we alluded to on yesterday's show, they are few and far between. And let's say they are always quite 
cryptic. Mike Budenholzer at practice uh, this morning did at least let us know that uh, we've seen uh, that they saw Giannis and PJ Tucker both fully participate in the practice session earlier today. His direct quote was, we'll see how they both respond to practicing today and how their bodies feel and how they feel in general and make a decision on the availability for the game. So, of course, again, it is worth noting that this is a back-to-back. So if you're the Bucks, would you bother rolling them out in an afternoon game? Or would you wait and hold them off at least until the second end of this back-to-back, if not the game after that? It's interesting. I didn't expect to hear that they would uh, possibly be playing tomorrow. I, I thought it would just continue to be pushed out. And, and to your point, maybe we would see them against the Hawks or just skipping the back-to-back altogether. And it's this weekend that we see them return to the floor, especially when you factor in. I mean, on the surface, you could say, well, I guess it does make sense to play them against Minnesota because – they're probably close to home and it's not as much travel, but they stayed in Orlando. So it was still an extended road trip. So I was surprised to hear it. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. I don't anticipate that, you know, both Giannis and PJ Tucker, when you look at the schedule with what, six back-to-backs remaining, I think that's at bare minimum six games right there that they're not going to play this season. So I'm not really sure how you would handle it or if it matters one way or another, um, whether it's the front end or the back end of the back-to-back. I just didn't expect to see it this soon, just with how uh, how it's been handled so far. And again, as we, I think we're both kind of on the same page, there is, there is reason to raise an eyebrow. I'm not to the level of concern yet with Giannis's knee until we start to see this become like, it's been three weeks and all of a sudden he misses a playoff game too. Um so, yeah, it, I was just, I, I guess, surprised in a good way to see, oh, they're both questionable. Yeah, I think it does line up with the, the theory that I think we've had that this isn't something that is, you know, absolutely catastrophically concerning. But uh, the longer it lingers, you, the more questions you have asked. So the fact that he's at least fully practicing is a good sign. And we'll see, I guess, as Bud alluded to, how they pull up tomorrow. But particularly with the game against Minnesota and also just the fact that we've referenced that the standings, I mean, it's not critical situation right now whether you win or lose. So certainly I would imagine or I would hope that there would be uh, no risks taken there at all. And I probably just personally have a little bit more urgency with PJ Tucker, who, sure, soft tissue injury at his age, calf, that can reoccur. We, we see that across all sports. A calf injury in particular can reoccur. And one more reoccurrence of a calf strain, and he's almost done for the season when you consider how much time he's missed. So you have to be careful there. But he is a guy that I definitely want to see get some minutes in before the postseason just because of that lack of conditioning that he has. Uh, let's go now. This is your time to shine, Justin. Let's go <laughs> to the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Now, Giannis... We always say this with this award. It's about happiness. It's about contributions on the court. And for Giannis, uh, he certainly has enjoyed himself. But the fact that he hasn't played, I think we do have to rule him out. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, huh. <laughs> well, we, we, got, uh, we got quite a few uh, options to choose from here. I mean, I think I'm, I'm going to cop out. And I mean, doesn't it have to be the player that we spent time talking about yesterday, too, yeah. that he pops off? Over the weekend, it's got to be Jordan Wara, right? Yep, I probably would have gone with Jordan Wara as well. Obviously, had another 20-plus point game there and added another double-digit scoring game in the, the second 
game over the weekend. So Jordan Wara, first time winner of the Ultra Player of the Week. Shout out first to him. First of many. The first of many to come. There's no doubt about that. And remember, with Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. With 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. So shout out to you, Jordan Wara, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let's get to the main topic of today. Let's get to Mike Budenholzer. And you know what, Justin? I flirted with the idea of doing this on a live locker room pod, but (laughs) I, I will say that I, I'm not scared. This wasn't out of fear that I didn't do it on the locker room pod. It was purely timing and with some other jobs that I have going on. But I have to imagine that it would have been a pretty electric locker room app because there are some takes out there with Mike Budenholzer. There's no doubt about that. And I think that the best place to start this is going all the way back to the offseason and particularly that series lost to Miami and then the aftermath of that and trying to figure out where this team stands. Now, Frank and myself went through this at length and I would like to think that we were pretty open and honest about the situation and the limitations that perhaps Bud had as a coach at that point in time that we'd seen two seasons in a row, but also understanding the situation where as a franchise at that point in time, completely resetting with a new coach who you would presumably think that it would be an untried coach just because they had gone down the veteran route was fraught with danger when you're trying to sign Giannis to a long-term extension, when you're trying to improve the roster, and in the end, they were able to execute a trade for Drew Holiday as well. I don't think that at that point in time, it was as simple as what it was made out to be in some circles that it should be an easy decision. Move on from Mike Budenholzer, the team will be fine. I don't think that that was necessarily the case. Now, complicating a complicating factor of all this is that I know, and you know, and we've spoke to Giannis, we've heard him speak, as have a lot of the listeners. You've heard him speak about Mike Budenholzer and the fact that he really does like him as a coach. Now, I can hear already the people listening to this show saying, yeah, but Giannis like Jason Kidd. He just loves everyone. That's a very fair point. But I think that we can all acknowledge, regardless of what you think of Mike Budenholzer as a coach, this situation for this franchise and what they've been able to achieve over the last two years, it's a completely different situation to when Jason Kidd was around. And so I just thought at that point in time, the Bucks making a significant move from that. My personal opinion was that that was going to put you in a potentially dangerous situation with trying to avoid the absolute circus that would have gone down this season with Giannis not signing the Supermax. There was, um, it, it just presented the opportunity for the wheels to really fall off, I think, that I'm not saying that you can't make a move because oftentimes the teams that do reach that level of success, I mean, they're content. They're not content with, all right, let's just try it again. And let's, we, we recognize something isn't working here and let's change it. I just don't know who that was in the off season, right? That if we look at all the coaching moves that took place, I mean, who was the guy that you would have pointed to and said, well, the Bucks would be in a much better spot if they would have actually hired this guy. And even some of the fringe, were hires that were made on the fringe where people looked at, wow, look at what the Pacers did with Nate Bjorkren. And, you know, this is a guy that he, clearly he can coach because he's coming from all that time that he spent in Toronto with Nick Nurse. And 
Uh, I mean, look how that's gone for Indiana so far. That it's not just the coach. Yeah, he can help push you over the top, but it's really everything that needs to fall into place. So I don't have a problem with the Bucs uh, at the risk of sounding bias here with them just saying, you know what? Let's run it back, and we're going to make some minor tweaks to the roster here. We have the same core, and it, it proved to be more than minor with the addition of Drew Holiday, but we're going to change some things with the roster. We still have the MVP, and we also recognize we're going to have to do some things differently in terms of coaching, and we're going to need to see some changes for how we do things throughout the season, and we've seen that this year. So I think that's the thing that I guess – frustrates me the most to hear a lot of the disdain for coach Budenholzer is we all said hey you can't do everything the same way and you can't only run the drop and you have to do some switching and you have to do some things differently and play the starters more and all of this stuff we've seen throughout the regular season and I understand we haven't seen it yet in the playoffs but you can only judge them on that so far that you can't already look at the postseason and say well they're they're going to fail and it's going to be his fault we don't know that now, if it doesn't work out, then as you were saying before, he is going to be under quite a bit of pressure. And frankly, I don't know that that's not unfair because we've gone through this three years now and you still have a player in his prime like Giannis where you'd like to believe the window is still open. So that's where you do have to look for some of these other changes where you can maybe do some things better on the margin. So it's quite a bit of pressure, but it's also – been alleviated a little bit I think with what Brooklyn has done that you know I wonder as well if just the optics of the pressure are going to be relieved a little bit but I also wonder behind the scenes if some of it has been because how much of it are you going to look at and say well this was just such a weird year and look what Brooklyn did where we saw enough growth and we feel like a, a getting back to normal here we can perform better next year and we can piggyback off some of the things we did this year because you know, that was the other part about how the season ended against Miami. Yes, the Miami Heat were a better team in that series, and they outplayed the Bucs. But the whole thing was – it was just a very, very unstructured and bizarre end to the season where you had that five-month layoff, and then it, this team just never seemed to be themselves when you rejoin that bubble that – I don't know how much of that you can hold against the coach either that I, I understand every team went through their difficulties, but the bucks seem to be really impacted by everything. And obviously the boycott and what happened in Racine, but they seem to be the team that was really out of it more than any other team that we saw in that bubble experience. So I, I don't know how much you can really take away from that. In many respects. And I say this as an Australian, but I think, most people that have listened to the pod over the years have, I, I've been through it a little bit with Wisconsin sports, I would like to say. So I understand that there is this, I understand there is this mentality that things always go wrong for Wisconsin sports fans. And I have to admit, when you think about this run that the Bucks have been on over the last couple of years, the fact that what happened last season and this season with the fact that this is also, I, I don't think we should underestimate how weird this season in it, how weird this season is in terms of, this schedule in terms of what the players have been restricted in being able to do outside of basketball. The fact that they haven't been able to really practice together for a large part of this as well. There's been no fans. It's a very weird season. And I all, I didn't, I don't think I expressed it as much as I was probably thinking it inside, but certainly at the end of last season, I was having a lot of thoughts about the fact that 
this NBA season that we're in right now was clearly going to be compromised. And I did have some fear that Giannis was going to end up leaving town with the majority of the home fans not being able to see him play for the last two seasons. And that just would have been the most absolutely horrific result. So I think overall, and everyone again that listens to this pod knows that I generally take a, a bigger picture outlook. And I do think that the Bucks last year had to make a big move, but the big move that they made was with the player personnel with Drew Holiday, as you already pointed to, and not only trading for him, but extending him long-term. Now, they have a whole shit ton of money locked into Giannis, Chris, and Drew. There's no doubt about that. But you can do stuff with that down the line. It doesn't mean that you have time to waste, though. And the point you made about getting through this year, and if the Bucks don't have success in the postseason this year, then would they look at this year as a strange year where they don't need to make another big change? I would hope not. Because I would say that I have been actually pretty damn surprised with how flexible Bud has been in terms of the the stuff that you pointed to. Defensively, he's been super flexible. We've seen different things on offense. We've seen Giannis in different positions. We've obviously spoke a lot about the guy in the dunker spot, but the Bucs in general have been more flexible on both ends. Bud came into the season understanding that he needed to play these guys a little bit more. Now, of course, you need a bit of luck with that. All perfect plans are great on paper. They're great on paper, but you need a little bit of luck with that. Now, we've seen through this season that Drew Holiday has missed an extended period of time after contracting COVID. We've seen Giannis now having a knee injury. You make another impactful trade for PJ Tucker, and he has hardly been able to get on the floor. But those things you can't blame on but. And, and I do think that coming into this season, there was a lot of people that had already decided in the head that no matter what happens, whatever goes wrong in a game, it's going to be Bud's fault. And I don't think that that's necessarily fair because I think even if you are someone that doesn't believe that Bud is going to be the next championship coach of this team, which is a perfectly fine opinion to have. You have to be able to sit back and look at the way that this team has played, compare it to years gone by, think about the criticisms that Bud has had on his coaching in the past and acknowledge the fact that he's been probably more flexible than I probably imagined he was going to be. And I do think that he and also the team and Giannis himself for stepping up and standing up and and acknowledging that he had these conversations with Bud. And I think the inclusion of Drew Holiday has been a big factor in that. But I think overall, you have to give him a little bit of credit. And the big thing is, when I look at the, the other teams in the East, the real shame if you're the Milwaukee Bucks is when you look at the previous two seasons is that the competition has got better. And that's yeah. where the challenge lies for this team moving into the postseason here because there's some scary opposition. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I, I've been uh, very pleased with, with what he's done in terms of uh, what we've seen on the court with his changes. And, you know, I think, and, and you've been in on the, the Zoom calls as well, to me it's been kind of noticeable that Bud off the court has been a little more laid back and not quite as solely basketball-focused, rigid Bud that we had gotten the previous two years. So I think it's it's been a wholesale change for him, and I've been surprised to see it to the levels we have. I mean – we talked about how, how much they've done switching and things of that nature, but we saw them basically play zone for an entire game. I mean, if you would have told me a year ago, hey, there's a, this Bucks team that Bud's still going to be the coach and they're going to play zone for an entire game, none of us would have believed that. So he's clearly willing to do some of these things. And you know, the other difficulty too is we often point to these coaches as, well, this is the best. And I think what we've seen the last few years is that list get whittled down 
to really just what four to five names that you can universally say, okay, year to year, this is one of the best coaches in the league. And there's names that we thought were on that list that maybe the last couple of years have dropped off or, or this year have dropped off. And what you've seen is you need both. You need a really good coach and you need good personnel there as well. And, you know, I, I just keep going back to the change that the Raptors made where Nick Nurse gets all the credit, at, at least it seems like with Buck's Twitter, of how great of a coach he is. And he is. But let's also not forget the fact that the big change from that team wasn't just you went from Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse. You brought in Kawhi Leonard and you won a championship. That that did have quite a bit of impact because what the Raptors did in those three years especially prior to that championship was very reminiscent of what the Bucks are doing here where you know there was one year where I, I don't think they won 60 but 58 or 59 that they won and just year after year would run into LeBron James another playoff disappointment and would go out way too early in the postseason there was one conference finals run and you said okay we need to change some things but we also need a superstar the Bucks have that superstar already so they already have their Kawhi Leonard but this is kind of the all right, we've we've done that. We've added a guy like Drew Holiday. Now it's the coaching end, and we just have to do things differently, that we believe Bud can do these things, and we know the locker room, how they feel about him, that we believe he can still be the guy. We just need to see you do things differently because, again, that's what Toronto got, different coaching and a superstar, and it brought them a championship. And so far, you were able to retain Giannis, you bring in Drew Holiday, and we've seen in the regular season Bud make those changes. And the margin for error in winning a title there, as we know. I mean, I don't know where Nick Nurse would have ranked if that Kawhi Leonard shot didn't fall, but those are the types of moments. And I know that we always talk about that series with the Raptors and adjustments we would have made or wouldn't have made, things we would have liked to see. I always point to the simple fact that the Bucks couldn't hit a damn threat and they couldn't do the same thing against Miami. But there's a number of factors that go into a series like that. The Bucks were clearly in a good situation. And then the Raptors got some incredible injury luck in the NBA finals as well. And, and I keep harping on it. And I, I don't, I don't think it's a cop out. I do think that you need some luck to win a title. And the Raptors certainly in that, in that whole playoff run uh, had some moments where things could have completely changed. And I do wonder where Nick nurse would have stood as a coach if Kawhi Leonard leaves, but I want to go and, Oh, sorry, about that and the entire fourth quarter of game three. That and the yeah. fourth quarter and the overtime was, and the fact that Fred Van Vliet has a kid and developed superpowers. <laughs> I mean, there was quite a bit of luck there. And I'm not saying Nick Nurse is not a good coach. No, he he's is. Fantastic. But, yeah. you know, what you're seeing is you need the superstars because this current iteration of the Raptors, and, and we saw it last year in the bubble, they're not going to win a championship, but Nick Nurse is good enough that he can get you on a deep playoff run and he can exploit weaknesses of the other teams. But without that star, they're not going to contend for a championship. So I want to talk about the player impact here in a bit, but before I do, I'm going to jump in and talk about built bar. And uh, I'm terribly sad that built bar madness is over and I can't continue to give you the bracket update here, but nonetheless, built bar is still obviously a fantastic treat that uh, both myself and Justin absolutely love. You can find all the flavors on the website at builtbar.com. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and of course, they are healthy for you. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for those on the keto diet as well. We, You know we've got a great deal for you guys. It's been the same for a long time now. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. 
Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And it's great that you're saving a lot of money there because then you can head straight over to betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's done, but we've got NBA, we've got NHL, we've got MLB. Uh, I see the Cubs are up to absolutely no good today. Uh, just uh, I, I don't know if we've got any Cubs fans that listen to this uh, this podcast, but you guys stick. That's that's all I have to say about that. But you can find all the real-time updated odds and props on anything you can imagine at betonline.ag. Uh, just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, and mock drafts four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, um, hopefully, Justin, we didn't lose. I, I don't know how many Cubs fans we actually have uh, that listen to this podcast, but hopefully they didn't all hopefully just no. drop off. Yeah, I mean, it would be devastating blow if they're, if they're all gone. But uh, anyway, let's continue the conversation. So you brought up something interesting earlier, and this is always the question. And the Dwayne Casey, Nick Nurse one is the, is the one that stands out. But there was. There was a lot of frustration online the fact that Nate Bjorkren got that job with Indiana and many people to me were baselessly saying well he should have been the Bucks should have signed him like they've missed an opportunity and and I've always been one and perhaps as someone in this position hosting a show like this maybe I need to be a little bit more hot takey I'm not sure that seems to be what the trend is but I've always been someone when it comes to coaching that can openly admit how the hell would I know like, what, what, what would I know about whether Nate Bjorkren is going to be a good NBA coach? Like, I, I don't have a damn clue. And the same goes for the Bucks assistant, Darvin Ham, who we all love. And we know for a fact from talking to the players, from talking to Bud, that he is super, super popular. And there is a nostalgia factor there as well, because Darvin Ham obviously played for the Bucks. He's been on this podcast, and he was incredibly respectful and nice and kind to me. I love that guy. I want him to get a coaching opportunity. There's no doubt about that. I really, really do. But who the hell am I to sit here and say that he would be a good replacement for Mike Budenholzer? I have no damn idea. So that's always been one of my big issues when we talk about, well, the Bucks should just sack Bud, because this guy's out there. Let's be honest, you don't really know whether he's going to be a better coach. And again, for reasons that we've outlined, the Nick Nurse situation worked out the way they did. It's fantastic. He's a fantastic basketball mind. But the reality is that it generally doesn't work out that way. So again, going back to last year, I thought it was a totally fine decision to bring Bud on. I think this year, if the Bucks fail in the postseason, it will be looked at. I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone. I would not. Because I think that if you're Milwaukee, you can't afford to have a lack of a sense of urgency But to me, I still look at the roster and say, okay, is this, as we're looking at, when you compare it to previous championship teams, when you think about the Warriors with Steph and Kevin Durant, when you think about uh, the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and now this year you think about the Nets with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, how much do we think that the Bucks right now with the big three that they've got, and I think they're very good. I think they're in a much better spot than they were last year. But do we actually sit here and say that we think the coaching is going to be the difference? 
I don't know. Like, I think that that's a genuine question to ask. But we do, do we think that coaching and simply replacing Bud is going to be what's going to tip them over the edge in a series against Brooklyn? Because I think that what we've seen this year in terms of the, the things they've tried, the way they've tried to play, the fact that we know that he's going to play the starters more in the postseason, I think they're giving themselves a pretty good shot. But whether or not that is enough remains to be seen. I mean, I think it's a component of it uh, to, to put a value on how much. I don't know. But it, it's a component of it. But as, as you pointed to, what we witnessed the last two years, and I, I would really say more so the, uh, the first run in the loss to the Raptors, what we witnessed was, you know, in that series specifically, it was just Malcolm Brogdon and Brooke Lopez that played well. Other than that, nobody really had a good series. And we basically saw the same thing against the Heat, where it was, what, pretty much Chris and Brooke Lopez. So I guess you just need to make sure you're getting good series from Brooke Lopez. Um, <laughs> but, but I think part of it is we need to see some differences. And I think, you know, the coaching aspect is basically we just need to continue to see what we have seen so far through the regular season. And you hope that the coaching is tighter rotations and it's not going to be playing this player in the final five or six minutes of a game, that that's what you would lean on for the coaching that we need to see in the postseason. But other than that, it also comes down to some guys need to have better series than they did in the past. And I think, you know, obviously the elephant in the room is where you feel like you've made the biggest growth there is in the backcourt and you have a guy like drew holiday who has shined in those moments and what you had before Eric Bledsoe did not. So I think that's going to be a huge difference for this team as well. But it's, I mean, it's also funny that all these coaches that, you know, we get enthralled with now we've come full circle where uh, Warriors fans are having the conversation, whether or not Steve Kerr is a good coach. And you think back to when Luke Walton took over for him and it's wow. Well, Luke Walton is clearly the next man up here and the guy that you have to tab. And we've seen how that's worked out with two separate teams. So you just never really know. And I remember when the Grizzlies hired Taylor Jenkins, I had an interview request from a station in Memphis asking me, Hey, do you want to come and talk about uh, what Taylor Jenkins is going to bring to this team? Like, well, other than uh, holding guys back on the bench and making sure they don't go on the floor to get suspended, I don't really know what to tell you here. Like, we've seen them in practices, but this isn't the NFL where you know this guy coaches the shooting guards and this guy coaches, you know, this. This guy coaches the forward. So we don't really know if we're not in the practice, and I think that's what makes it so difficult is – it's just become this art of, okay, which teams exceeded expectations and which teams were really good or had a good G League team. Well, whoever was there in the G League, he clearly is the next hot coach, so that's who should be hired. And, and we don't know the impact that they actually had. Overall, I, I just think, I think we've gone sort of over everything here, but I do, do just think, and I absolutely acknowledge that a lot of people are going to listen to this and think it's a complete bullshit conversation and that's totally fine as well like i understand that people are going to have different opinions on this and different perspectives but for me there's just so much that goes into why the bucks have struggled and yes i think that we pointed to them with regularity we weren't happy with the rotations we weren't happy with the minute loads on some of the starters but also i think that you're kidding yourself if you ignore 
the wide open three point percentage against Miami and Toronto. And I think that you're kidding yourself if you ignore Giannis shooting 50% from the free throw line on really seriously big volume in those two series as well. Like that was a huge factor, particularly against the Toronto Raptors. And there's just some things that literally Bud can't control. And that's why when I look at it, I say, okay, I need to look at the big picture. And Eric Bledsoe, as you already mentioned, was giving you nothing from the point guard position. So there was just a number of factors why it didn't work out. And overall, again, I've said this a number of times, but it's looming. Like it's going to be an even more difficult championship to win this year considering the competition. So the, the butt conversation will continue to happen online. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Twitter will continue to be frustrated by the fact that he's still the coach. But I do... Yeah, I would like to think that we could all look at this and say, okay, let's take a step back. Let's see what has changed this year. Let's see what we were asking for at the start of the season. And let's not forget that we all said, if Giannis signs, which he has, let's treat the regular season like an experiment. We know we're going to win enough games that we're going to be there at one of the top seeds. Now, no, the Bucs aren't going to get the number one seed, and that might be upsetting. But I do think that there's been a lot of boxes ticked that we asked to be ticked at the start of the season. And I think that from that point of view, we, we can use some perspective as well, I think. And maybe not be so mad. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think it's, a, it's, it's ongoing. It's never going to end. Well, and uh, real quick, do you think, first, do you think they would have approached the regular season differently if Giannis was going into the offseason as a pending free agent? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's the big thing. And I, I think that's why uh, I probably, again, it might annoy people how sort of big picture I am about the whole thing, but I can absolutely acknowledge that the conversation would be different if he hadn't signed and the Bucks were oh, yeah. where they were. I mean, it, w- it, it would have been a disaster. It would have been a, a painful experience. Um, And then, so, I mean, I think we're aligned here, but you had said, well, if they fall short, there's a, there's probably a good chance that that Bud is not the coach of this team next year. So what level of falling short is that? Like if they lose to the Nets in the conference finals in a seven game series, part of me thinks you don't make a change at that point, that it would almost have to be you lose in the second round, even if that is to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it depends how it went down. Like if it was similar to last year, and again, there were a number of factors last year that made it unique, but the fact they got really destroyed in five games by Miami and just weren't able to execute at all in the fourth quarter, I think it was a bad look. I I think for the season that they had and where they were before the season shut down, the expectations were so much higher than that. So a similar situation where you feel like this team has completely uh, rolled over, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think it would... There would be significant heat anyway. I don't know whether they would definitely make a change, but I think it would be the conversations would be had, I think. Yeah, I I, I agree that it's going to have to do with how the series goes. Because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they were swept by the heat in the playoffs. And again, it it was just a a weird scenario, and it was weird for every team that played in the bubble, but the Bucs seemed to really be hit by it more so than any other team. But but also – you can't chalk it all up to that, that it, it was just a complete failure the way that the season ended. So that's, that's the tough part. Cause you know, going back to what I said before of, well, it is a weird season. I mean, you also don't want to just get in the habit of, well, it was two straight weird seasons. So let's, let's just keep running it back and sooner or later it'll change because that starts to become the definition of insanity. And, you know, you, to borrow the phrase of rewarding bad behavior. I mean, you don't want to fall into that trap where it's, well, we did some things differently, but it's still, we couldn't get over the hump, but next year it'll be different. That 
you know, it's, it's unfortunate with the coaching business that sooner or later, even if it's not your fault, you just have to make a change just for the sake of making a change. It's a tough job when the bar is set at championship. It's uh, it's a pretty difficult business to uh, be seen as a success. But again, uh, you know, we've seen the Bucks win a hell of a lot more than we had at any point over the previous uh, almost two decades. So from that point of view, it's been a fun ride, but it's, it's different expectations in Milwaukee right now. But of course, like I said, let us know. You can hit us up on Twitter for sure and let us know what you've thought about this conversation. If there is anything or where the bar is, where the bar is for you to say, okay, this season has been a success. Is it simply the NBA finals? I think we came into the season believing that, but there's no doubt things have changed since then. Justin, uh, always a pleasure. Back-to-back days. Uh, you, you're a star. You are a star. Back-to-back days, and it is a 3.30 game tomorrow. So, I mean, if we hit nightmare scenario, we could be back-to-back-to-back. I know. Tell me about it. 3.30 p.m. start, which, by the way, doesn't give you guys a lot of time to listen to this pod. So hopefully uh, you've found time there. But we'll be back after the Bucks and Wolves. Hopefully Milwaukee pick up another win. Until then, stay safe. We'll catch you guys later.